Welcome to the Absent Father Podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts in all areas of our life of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. I'm your host, Rodney Miller, executive coach, MBA, and son of an absent father. You can learn more about me and get in touch by visiting www.rodneymuller.com. We got greatness by choice. We got gravity by chance. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Absent Father podcast. I am planning a, I believe, a two-part episode. I had planned a episode that I was going to do right now, but I realized that I have not yet talked about uh, a topic that was one of the more popular posts uh, when I started the Absent Father Project, um, which at that time was uh, just writing about some of my experiences. But that popular post was, why do dads leave? Uh, And it's something that I have obviously uh, thought about a lot. I've thought about a bit as uh, my daughter was born. And I think that oftentimes when we see our child or when we think about ourselves, you know, how, you know, we think, how could a parent leave their child? How? How is that possible? I mean, most of us can't leave a puppy in a, in a rescue place. So there's a couple ways I want to talk about this. Part one is more specifically about I think, why do dads leave? And as you may know, I think there's a lot of ways that dads leave. So I want to talk about that and and kind of break down what's really happening there. And then in the second episode, uh, which will be released next week, we're going to talk about uh, the generational nature of father absence, uh, the generational nature of it. Because for every absent father, there's likely a legacy of uh, absent fathers in there. Um, you know, oftentimes they say that uh, alcoholism is a family disease. We could also say that father absence is a family disease. But for today, what we're going to be talking about is why do dads leave, uh, most specifically. And in order to kind of jump into that, I want to I want to share a quick story, um, and it's about when I abandoned something that I loved very, very much, and it's really a story about abandoning my first love, and my first love was baseball. So I've shared with you uh, in a in a previous story, I think in in the episode about pressure and performance. Uh, one of the worst days of my life was uh, in 1995. It would have been the fall of 95. Uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and I was the starting shortstop for a sophomore team. And that was a pretty big deal. It was in Belleville, Belleville West. Shout out to my my high school and my hometown. And I I was... A really good baseball player. I worked really hard. Uh, I loved the game. I loved the Cardinals. I knew the game inside and out. And 
uh, there I was. We were, I think, maybe the second or third game into the regular season. You know, I'd made the team, which I was excited about, and then I got to be the starting shortstop, um, which was a really big deal. It's usually where they put one of the best players on the team, a good fielder, a good arm, a good hitter. And I was all those things. But as I shared in a previous episode, uh, by this time, uh, I had put so much pressure on my performance that I just had to be perfect. And if I wasn't perfect, if I didn't uh, play perfectly, um, and this is mostly unconscious, I wasn't aware of this, but there was so much writing on it. Really, my mere... Uh, my my value, my worth, my lovability, um, the ability to be accepted and to be worthy of belonging on a team, it was all riding on moment-to-moment plays uh, as that shortstop on that baseball field. And this particular day, that all caught up to me. And what happened is, I, I as I shared, I made three errors in one inning, and it was horrible. It was seriously one of the worst days of my life. I can feel, I, although I don't want to feel, I can feel the 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 dissociation of that moment because it was so painful. So, you know, I, I moved on from that moment sort of in that, you know, I played the rest of the season, you know, I made some plays, I didn't make some plays, I had some hits. Um, but I was still a really good ball player. But when it came to the next fall, when when baseball tryouts had happened again, uh, and I was, I think I was, uh, I just turned 15 and I was hoping to save up for a car, you know, pay for insurance, that whole thing. And so what I told myself was that, you know, I'm not going to try out for baseball because, you know, I need to make money, I want to get a job, etc. And that might have been partly true. But looking back on it, I can see that the main reason that I abandoned my first love, which was baseball, was because I was terrified of being back out on that field and experiencing the pain of not being enough. And so I conveniently rationalized a way that had me go and focus on something else and kind of forget about the sport that I had played basically every day of my life up until that point. Now, why I'm telling this story is is hopefully somewhat obvious, um, and maybe uh, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's baseball, that's not a kid. But I think it's true that many men... Um, when you when you have a when you have a child, um, one of the main things that occurs is that is this idea that you are not enough. And there's a bunch of ways that we can imagine how that might show up for a man. And I I start with my own story because I don't think that um, you know men who abandon their children are alone in this way of reacting. I think there's a matter of degrees. And I also think that it's a matter of how deep the pain is. And again, this isn't to excuse the behavior or to to just give them a pass, but to really talk about what we're working with here. You know, for any of us, when we're not good at something and we feel like we aren't good at something, 
we typically avoid it or find a way around it, find a way to not be with the thing that we aren't good at. That just is kind of obvious. And when I think about certainly the extremes of, of an absent father, at the heart of it is often a deep sense of shame, a deep sense of not being good enough. And like I said, in the next episode, we'll get into, you know, maybe the roots of that. But if you think about um, becoming a parent, and this certainly occurred when when I was becoming a father uh, a year and a half ago and going through the pregnancy process, um, I was scared that I wasn't ready. I was scared that I wasn't good enough. I, I was scared that I, I I didn't make enough money, scared about providing. I was scared about all kinds of things. And while being scared, I was also, uh, and I believe that this is true for many parents, whether they're aware or present to it or not, that along with being terrified, the commitment is to be the absolute best that you can be. Now, if you're a father in lots of pain, if you're struggling with addiction, if you can't make work happen, if you don't feel like you can provide, uh, if you don't feel like you can be the father that you want to be, and you don't feel like you can be the husband or the partner that you want to be, all of that experience... uh, to no fault of anyone around, but the experience uh, gives that person the experience of just deep shame and a deep sense of not being enough. And so naturally, when you experience that, you take yourself out of it. And I think that it starts to snowball. So, you know, when you spend uh, two weeks away from your child or a month away or two months away, then the shame just starts to snowball and snowball and snowball. And so then it turns into a year. And then in a year, what do you say to your kid? What do you say? And then it's easier to just put it to the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And suddenly you have children in the world that don't know you. And even though For many of us, we probably have it in our heart to forgive. That absent father doesn't have it in their heart to forgive themselves. And so what I hope you hear is, you know, these people, and this is true for moms and dads and, you know, all of us when we're, you know, avoiding a relationship or... Um, in pain or deeply ashamed, that that we're really dealing with a deep pain. And for many of us, that pain didn't just, you know, didn't just show up. It wasn't like, you know, when I think about my own father, um, it's not like he just decided to be an absent father. Um, he was dealing with a lot of pain. He was dealing with... Uh, Addiction, as far as I know, he, he didn't have a great childhood, and I think we'll get into some of that uh, in the next episode. The other thing that 
you know, I never really put together until much later in life. I was born in October of 1981. My father's father, who I, to this day, am not sure what type of relationship they had, but one thing I did find out was that my father's father was murdered in December of 1981. And I think in, in retrospect, you know, we all expect adults to be adults and we, we rightfully so say that it is right that a parent should be a parent and a parent should be the parent. But it's a limited understanding of, of human beings and a limited understanding of people. And I have no idea how I would react to my father or somebody close to me uh, being murdered uh, the year that my child was born uh, while I'm already dealing with heaps and heaps of shame and addiction uh, and pain. Because of this, as I've become a father, um, the question that I am more interested in is not do I abandon, do I disconnect, do I avoid, uh, am I present or not present, but more, how am I not present? And it's really been fascinating to watch uh, across many wonderful fathers, um, wonderful fathers, people who I would have died to have as a father uh, growing up. But there's a, a level of, of absence and disconnect that we call normal. Uh, whether it's how in our society, I mean, many of the people that I serve with in the military, uh, and I am so thankful that this didn't happen to me, but, you know, they'd be called to active duty and leave their child for a year or two at a time. And as a society, we, we kind of step over the impact of that. We don't talk about it. We just call it normal. I even noticed when I was, when my wife was pregnant um, and I was really scared, I was like, you know, well, I've got to make sure that my business works. And I was scared about that. And uh, I, I suddenly became very interested in uh, these jobs that were, uh, travel oriented that had lots of travel and, you know, it would have been a great job. It was like, you know, a consulting job at a prestigious firm. Um, and it had a lot of travel and it occurred to me in that moment that this was a way of, um, from a fear-based place, from a fear that I wasn't enough and from an avoidance place, like, that, those jobs had never been attractive. I didn't want to travel anymore. I had done that already. And suddenly they became very attractive to me. And I think that you'll notice if you look around, you know, it becomes very attractive for uh, a father to find an escape route, a way to uh, avoid the feelings of not enough, uh, especially when, when they're child is born in those first few years. So my question now is not, again, you know, will I abandon? It's how do I? And I do. 
And this is not to be perfect because, you know, and believe me, I do want to be perfect as a parent. And I do want all of us to have perfect parents and, and, and because our kids only deserve that. But we can't have perfection. But what we can do is we can start to look at how can we be better for ourselves? How can we, how can we practice being present? And yes, sometimes you'll have to go on a work trip and, and sometimes you'll be exhausted and sometimes uh, you just won't have much to give. But what I want to bring light to is this invisible force that kind of dictates uh, checking out and dictates a lack of presence. And for many of us, that's dealing with this idea that we are not good enough, that we are uh, not providing enough, not doing enough. And then what we do in response to that is we, we find ways to deal with how hard we are on ourselves, whether that's drinking a beer or two or 10 at night. Uh, we work so hard, we're so hard on ourselves that we need a way to check out and check out from ourselves because that voice inside of us is like uh, a 24-7 drill sergeant that's saying you're not enough and who wouldn't need a way to check out from that? Or maybe it's through our work. Uh, we, we feel as though we aren't enough so we work, and when we work, we feel enough in the moment. And so we work and work and work until we can't work anymore. And then we give and give and give, maybe as a parent or try to make that up in certain ways, and until we have nothing left. And then we get to check out because we're so... And the degree to which we're operating or reacting to uh, this this sense of shame fundamentally and this sense of not enough, the more that we compensate with something else, whether that's, you know, being away, uh, you know, traveling, that, that allows us to check out from our real life and the, the feeling of being in a room where you aren't enough, uh, or it's pursuing more and more money or working until we're exhausted or finding other more dangerous ways uh, like heavy alcohol use, drug use, uh, sex addiction, we find these ways to check out. And that leads us into the next episode, which is when we continue to do that, when we continue to let shame and the sense of not enough uh, run the show, then we, we abandon and are not emotionally present or connected for our generation, for our children, for the people that matter to us in our life. And then it's passed down. And the more extreme that the abandonment is, the more impact that there is. So I hope what you're taking today is, is a little bit more awareness about why do dads leave um, I hope it supports you in having a deeper understanding that maybe it wasn't personal to you. And I really believe with all my heart that 
dads don't leave because it's personal to you. It's more a reaction to a deep pain, a deep sense of shame that they don't know how to deal with. And that's sad, but also exciting because we can be the generation that shifts that experience, that that learns to love ourselves, learns how to deal with our shame, how to deal with our pain, how to deal with our not enough, and ultimately be more and more present for ourselves first, and then for the people that we care about. And when we do that, we get to interrupt this generational nature of father absence. And that's what we'll talk about next time, diving a little bit deeper into the generational nature of father absence, how that gets passed down, how all the people in the family structure are part of that. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That also helps people get the podcast, get it into the hands of people who need to listen to it. Uh, Also, if you can rate and review the podcast, that helps to spread the message. Again, you've been listening to the Absent Father podcast with Rodney Miller, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Hey.